Hello and welcome back to Top 5 Disco. This is Josh. I'm Adam. And we are back in the studio, back in the shack, if you will. Excited to bring you a new artist series, a Top 5 Artist Deep Dive. To all our old and returning fans, thank you so much for your love and support and listening and engagement over the year. This has given us fuel to keep going. We love this. We love you all. Uh, to our new fans, welcome. Uh, let's reiterate a little bit of what we do here at Top 5 Disco. So, so Adam and I, we pick an artist, we will go through their entire discography, album by album, and essentially talk about what goes into the album, the album itself, history of the band, and rank our top five favorite songs on each album. And then at the end, we'll rank our top five of all time, maybe our top five worst, sort of a bunch of lists, sort of uh, breaking down what we love and what we don't love about a certain band, artist, what have you. Uh, Today, we are going to do, we're going to go a little back to our roots. And what I mean by that is we started this podcast purposely doing an artist like Coldplay, kind of a controversial artist and pick because it's a band people absolutely love or absolutely hate. I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but today we are going to tackle Weezer. Weezer. Yeah, one of the most beloved and one of the most hated bands. I don't know about hated, but misunderstood, made fun of. Well, I'll even not say, taken seriously. I am so excited about this series. Me too. Because this is just a crazy roller coaster of emotions on our end and roller coaster of songwriting on their end. Absolutely. They are, at the same time, the most genius and lame <laughs> <laughs> laughably yeah inconsistent this is the most inconsistent discography i have ever experienced it's crazy and i will say i'm gonna speak for both of us we love this band yeah i love weezer but i am not above recognizing when shit is shit and like and there's a lot of shit. there's a lot of shit in but here. at the same time there is so much good stuff more than the everyday Joe on the street would even I'm know gonna about. I'm going to make a, a bold claim here. Weezer is not necessarily my favorite band, nor I don't know if it would be top five, top ten. I absolutely love them. However, unlike many of my favorite bands, Weezer has at least one masterpiece. Like, oh, yeah. absolute 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Every song, Adam's giving me a look, maybe not 100%, <laughs> but to me, some of my favorite bands don't even have that. Yeah. So the fact that this this band even created one of the best albums, or if not multiple, is best enough. albums of all time, is enough to, to talk about and to talk about where they went from there and For what sure. happened. And Oh, man, it is so hard to be a fan of Weezer. My friend Tim will attest to, uh, he's a huge Weezer fan, but he often gets very... Uh, angry and defensive and frustrated because it's so hard to be a fan because people don't take Weezer seriously anymore. Yeah, they used to be like one of considered one of the best artists rock acts of the '90s, and then sort of over the years became kind of a laughing stock, unfortunately, which is so sad to me. It's so hard to defend this band. Yes, but that's exactly in some senses what we're going to do today to basically highlight what we love about this band. We're definitely going to tackle what we hate about them and sort of the ups and downs of that roller coaster that we talked about. There's a common mentality that a lot of fans and music critics and writers will take, which is that Weezer's first two albums, the self-titled Blue Album and Pinkerton, are two of the best albums of the 90s, the best albums Weezer's ever done, and then everything after that is shit. I do not subscribe to that That's theory so at blind. all. It's blind. It's bullshit. Um, but there's so much ups and downs. I'm repeating myself, but, but this is sort of the thesis of Top 5 Disco Weezer, which is that 
there are so many peaks and valleys and you can't just forget about those peaks that are in their later discography. Yeah, I've never, I don't know any discography like this. I feel like if a band starts off great, there'll be some, you'll be able to sort of see the evolution or de-evolution, devolving, I don't know the word. Exactly. Uh, But this is just so... Like you can go from one of their worst albums to one of their best albums right. and then right back to one of their worst and then maybe a medium album. It's right. just like you never know what you're going to get. So it's always never count them out. Right. And I and obviously there are some, you know, musical through lines through all these albums, but also album to album, the sound changes, the songwriting changes, the production changes. There's just so much here to talk about. And I am so excited to get into it with you. Same. We did actually did not do this for this fact, but we Weezer is having a strange kind of cultural reappraisal right now. I think it's because and this is so weird to even talk about, Weezer had their biggest hit in a decade this year with a cover of Toto's Africa. Oh, yeah, So strange. We will get into it later. Um, But because of that, people are starting to talk about them again. SNL, Saturday Night Live, did an entire sketch about two Weezer fans fighting about what we were just talking about. They've never done anything good since Blue or Pinkerton, and oh, there's such great stuff in their later discography, Ride or Die. It's just so funny to me that this is becoming sort of a cultural moment and conversation piece again, and we... I'd love to contribute, but again, that's not the reason why we're doing this. First of all, we're doing it because we love this band and we want to talk about them. But also, uh, in May, uh, Blue Album, the self-titled first album by Weezer, just celebrated 25 years. And to me, that's like a cultural touchpoint yeah. and incredible milestone anniversary. Anyway. And at the same time, their most recent album, their self-titled Black, Black album, album, came out nine days ago. Yeah. So, so we've got a lot to out. talk about. Yep. So I will say, before we get into Weezer themselves, the early history, the first album, um, I want to talk about how we both got into Weezer individually. First, I will say, and I want to say this also, uh, my love for this band has grown even tenfold since sort of researching and re-listening and Mm -hmm. reappraising for this podcast. Even the albums that I would be like, fuck this album. There are still so many little highlights. I still enjoy listening to them. And maybe you're not going to agree with me, but even the worst albums, I'm still kind of enjoying. I'm enjoying being a Weezer fan right now. I love following them, even when they're really failed failed experiments and bad songwriting. There's so much, so so many little nuggets. I don't know what this means, but again, before every podcast, you and I happen to listen to the music of that artist or band. And even some of the songs that I don't like when listening to... I so enjoy singing along too. Yeah. I mean, well, knowing every word, knowing every melody, and just having it in your brain. I mean, yeah, it's still it's like a it's like a family member that you don't like what they do all the time, but you still you still kind of love that, you you love what they. That do. is a great point. So Weezer, how I got into them. Weezer helped shape my musical taste as a teen. In high school, I was really into all these 90s alternative grunge punk acts. Um, Blue Album and Pinkerton were like these god albums to me. And I I was you know in love with this band and Red Album was, Make Believe had just come out and I was sort of anticipating Red and I had gone back to all the other albums. So I sort of knew everything up through Make Believe. Um, I will say, I think the first song I ever really knew by Weezer, it's either Island in the Sun, mm-hmm. which, you know, as I was saying, as a teen, it was sort of on the radio all the time, completely ubiquitous, or it was actually Undone, the sweater song. 
Yeah. I had this massive crush on a girl in middle school and she showed me uh, Undone the Sweater song and I was like, this is so cool. You're so cool. Show me everything. Um, yeah. And from there, like I said, I had one of those uh, BMG music services where for 20 bucks you could get seven CDs and I had ordered Blue Album, Pinkerton. Actually, no. I think I just ordered Blue Album. Was obsessed with Blue Album. Actually, Andy, a friend of ours, friend of the podcast, uh, I think he was the one who's been like, you got to really check out Pinkerton again because I was just like a blue, blue head, what ride or die. What age were you? This is 2006. Wow. 2000, again, this is so... Well, okay, age. When Blue Album came out, or sorry, when Blue Album was part of my life and I became obsessed with it was earlier than that um, because I remember Green being on the radio with Island in the Sun and Hashpipe and then Make Believe is a huge hit. Um, and yeah, so this is early 2000s that I got. So I obviously missed, I was much. I was too young in the 90s to really appreciate them as a 90s band. Yeah. But I was going back to those albums. Anyway, uh, Adam, how did, you get, how did you get into Weezer? So it's a good question. I feel like my history with them is pretty scattered. Mm. Uh, they're definitely a band where, like, obviously I had heard, I don't know how, maybe through you, probably through you, Buddy Holly, uh, Undone, The Sweater Song, yeah. Island in the Sun. And I think it's it's hard for me to really remember, but I think I knew that this these were songs by a band, Weezer. The song Beverly Hills, as ubiquitous as it is, right. I don't think I knew until like six years ago that that was a Weezer song. Oh, weird. Because I don't think I ever knew the song fully. I had heard it on, I don't know, maybe it was used in commercials or something. It's just, it's so it's so all around. Yeah. You just know the song. So there were all these scattered songs. You gave me The Greatest Man That Ever Lived, which is the most <laughs> un-Weezer song, <laughs> yeah. Weezer song. So I knew that, I guess. And then it was really Pork and Beans where I think I was able to 2008 put, Red Album. Yeah, I was able to put faces to the band even mm. though they're like, I think in the, video, in the video they're in like uh, laboratory coats and right. goggles. So, but it, it like, you could see the personality. I don't know, it, it made it more of a thing mm. and like a tangible band that one could get into. Right. Um, but even after that, it's not like I really got into Weezer. It wasn't until uh, five years ago, I guess, when... Everything Will Be All Right in the End came out, or sometime around then. Uh, it was the same time as our friend Ari and Harris's wedding. And shout out to Ari and Harris, who just welcomed their first child into the Ooh. world last night. Uh, so it all comes full circle. But I remember, I'm trying to get the history right. You were so into that album, Everything Will Be All Right in the End, and you yeah. were like, you have to check this out. You have to get into Weezer in general as a band, like their full discography. Because for me, Everything Will Be All Right in the End was one of those peaks after a long kind of valley of, oh God, what is happening to this band? Yeah. And it was like, holy shit, they're good again. They're great again. It was the start of this, what I will call, and I'll call later in the podcast, the Weezer renaissance of like them, great songwriting, great production, great everything and i was just like god damn it was like i think it was like my number three number four favorite album of 2014 mm. um oh man yeah well so basically after that i did one of my deep dives i i dove much deeper this time around for this podcast but that is the first time that i went from album by album yeah and uh yeah and it was it was an interesting ride i'll say and now we're here yes so weezer as a band uh, let's talk about a little bit of their early history before we get right into the debut self-titled Blue Album. Sure. 
So Weezer was formed in 1992 by Rivers Cuomo. We're going to obviously talk about Rivers a lot. He's the main singer-songwriter voice of the band, also the creative direction. And uh, the lead guitar player. And lead guitar which player. Which I was talking to you, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago um, about how I find that to be pretty unique. Rare. Yeah, to have the main songwriter and singer be the lead guitar player who's also like, he is a great guitar player. Shredder. Some of these solos on these songs are some of the best solos I've ever heard. Not I'm not talking that. like well, insanely always technical impressive, which they are and can yeah. be, but musically, uh, dynamically, such a good soloist. Oh, man. We'll talk about this in a second when we get to Blue Album, but Rick Ocasek, the producer of Blue Album, basically said that Rivers always did his guitar takes in one take. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> he's, he's kind of just a savant he or something. Is. I can, yeah, totally. Yeah. So... Anyway, 92, formed by Rivers Cuomo, Pat Wilson, the drummer, uh, Matt Sharp, the bassist, and Jason Cropper. Uh, he was the original rhythm guitarist. He actually left during the Blue Album sessions. Um, they were a band in the L.A. club circuit They're from Los Angeles. Um, they had shopped around their kitchen tapes demo. Eventually, in 1993, Geffen Records gave them a record deal. Again, There's Adam's already shaking his head. Oh, maybe you're shaking for a different reason. But just the idea of being so great and in this club circuit that Geffen Records, one yeah. of the biggest major label and records. And A&R representative was just, out there. Just says, yeah, I want you. Like, yeah. you guys are going to be our... And it became such a huge hit. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, the band considered self-producing, but Geffen was like, you should get a producer. So, like Adam had mentioned before, they chose Rico Kasich of the Cars fame. Who um, we also spoke about during the Motion, Motion City Cities soundtrack podcast. podcast. Right, right, right. He uh, recorded... Even If It Kills Me. Thank you. Uh, just that one? Yeah. yeah. Um, they loved uh, Rick's songwriting and the production of the cars. So they thought it would be a good fit for the band. Um, after Jason Cropper left during the Blue Album sessions, they replaced him with Brian Bell, who's still the rhythm guitarist. He yep. hasn't changed uh, since then. But actually, Rivers re-recorded all Jason's guitar parts. So Brian's right. not even on this album. Well, Brian he is, is vocally, he, right? He's, he's a, I think, a couple songs. He's credited on the back. But I, I, I mean, I think it's more just like, this is now the lineup of Weezer. By the way, like live lineup, but all of the guitars are Rivers. And as I said earlier, they he recorded so all of them in one take. So this album, more than any, is so heavily Rivers. Mm. And and songwriting-wise, too. Well, I mean, Pinkerton more so. But he wrote every song, a couple of co-writing credits with Pat, actually. Yeah. Uh, My Name is Jonas, Surf Wax America, yeah. uh, The World Has Turned and Left Me. Um, but yeah, like you said, this is very much a, a Weezer Rivers album yeah. through and through. No outside songwriting co-written credits, which will come in later albums. But yeah, here we are. Blue Album. You know what's crazy to me? Talk it's to me. Silly to, to, silly to think about. At one point, this was not called the Blue Album. This was just their self-titled right, it was just Weezer. Weezer. It was just and Weezer. then fans made it. I don't even know at what point. You know what I mean? It was probably when Green Album came out. Right. Because right? it's how do you distinguish. That's when, it, that's when it happened. Or maybe it was in the hiatus between Pinkerton and Green Album. But why would they call it Blue? There was just no reason to call it Blue unless there was another self-titled album. Oh, that's true. So it has to be <laughs> yeah, after yeah, yeah. Green. But okay, Blue Album comes out May 10th, 1994, 25 years ago. Wow. Uh, on DGC Records, which is Geffen, produced by Rico Kasich at Electric Lady Studios in New York City, right around here. It's crazy that this happened just a mile away from here 25 yeah. years ago. Uh, this album went gold in seven months, is now quadruple platinum, went oh to God. number 16 in the Billboard 200. This is a big do, hit. Do you know how many that is? How many albums? You tell me. Sell? No. Oh, oh you're yeah. asking I'm me. I'm actually asking you. Isn't a million gold? I, I don't know. So with plat... <laughs> we should know this. <laughs> we should, but anyway... Blue album. What yes. do you think about 
the self-titled Weezer Blue album. Incredible debut. Yeah. I mean, that's basically... This is one of the best debuts of all time. I agree with that. I don't think that. anyone can argue with that who, who knows this album. Because they came out with such, to me, a unique sound. But aside from just the sound, the songwriting is so good. But what you just said about unique is important. This was amongst all this angsty grunge, grunge music, which is not even a real genre, was just what was hot at the moment. And they came out with this super nerdy power pop with metal influence. It was just such a strange concoction of sound for the radio at that time, for, yeah. the, for the masses, for the mainstream radio. Weezer didn't sound like anyone. And so they were such an exciting band at the time. And like you said, the songwriting was so good, both from pop melody and just compositional structure. They just are great songs through well, and through. What's interesting is that I think I read that Rivers was saying, for the longest time, we were just playing clubs in LA and no one cared about our music. All they wanted was grunge. So I don't know if that means that it was actually the A&R rep that was just like, no, this is, this is going to be a sound. People are going to like this. Made them, like brought them in. Or they made a record. Rick helped honed the sound yeah. during the process of recording and then for their later shows. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you said it, nerd rock, and I feel they started it. They started this genre. Totally. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> I mean, we I mean, talked about Motion City soundtrack. This is such a clear influence in so many ways on Motion City soundtrack in terms of the lyrical content, a lot of the songwriting. It's they really they they did something. This album has amazing. influenced so many bands and artists. Even last night, we just saw this band Charlie Bliss, right. who are great, a new young band, fantastic band. So many times I was turning to Adam and I was like, this is so Weezer. And yes. not in a, oh, they're being derivative of them. It's just so clear how much influence they've had on bands up until today. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay, let's get right into it. Our top five, top five disco. Let's talk about our top five favorite songs on Weezer's Blue Album. Let's do it. I will start. You'll start. Okay. We say this every time and I think it's so funny because this is top five disco and yet none of us are ever... <laughs> Uh, that's that's an overstatement. A lot of times we're so not, not confident, confident about yeah. our lists, but it's a testament to how this album is so consistently so solid. on. I, I really could have picked. There were two songs I knew were going to be at the top. Everything else, it was just it was shuffling. It really could be any of them. But I, I decided. I'm so giddy right now. Just excited because again, just to break down for a second. Adam and I don't know each other's lists at all. Again, for those who are new to the podcast, we've spent the last few months deep diving hard on Weezer, listening, listening, listening. And I have to say, it feels like, you know how before a wedding, sometimes there's a tradition of the groom and the bride not to see each other for a week? I feel like I so badly want to talk to you about this. And... Yeah. We had like a couple times we where broke. we just, yeah, we just sort of, we let, we let We were go. so excited to talk that a couple times we were just like, oh, we need to talk about yeah. some of this stuff. But but we did not talk about our lists. I do not know Adam's top five at all. And I'm so excited to figure out which are your favorites. I'm scared to disappoint you always. Uh, same here. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, okay, let's so, just do it. Number my five. number five is the closing track, Only wow. in Dreams. Okay, great. My number five song is In the Garage. I Yeah. Knew that was a Josh song. Yep. My number four, shockingly, it's actually shocking to me, is Say It Ain't So. Wow. Okay. Uh, my number four is the single, Buddy Holly. Wow. Okay. My number three is No One Else. My number three is also No One Else. All right. All right. And so here are the two songs that were 100% going to be in my top two. And they flip. Like, but like yep. they, they could be either. Number two is Undone, the sweater song. 
My number two is Holiday. Nice. Wow. This is what I'm saying. All these songs. We, like, we have so many different yes. songs already. And my number one is Buddy Holly. Whoa. Just got chills. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Really? My number one song on the Blue Album is My Name is Jonas. Wow. How is this not on That's your list? That's so interesting. Are you kidding me? That's so interesting. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, this is so exciting. Wow. But how many songs, like, how many songs did we leave off of this list? We didn't talk about The World Has Left Me Here. The world has turned and left me here, and that's it. That's no, only we also song. didn't talk about Surf Wax America. Surf Wax America, those two. So two. Eight songs. Wow. Amazing. All right, let's start it. All right, a little weird to start with the closing song, but let's start with Adam's number five pick, the closing track, Only in Dreams. So I really felt it necessary to call attention to this song because for Weezer, it's really an interesting song. They don't usually have, not that this means much, but they don't have like eight minute songs. This is their longest song. Even longer than Greatest Man, longer than Angel and the One. This is their longest song. They also don't usually, and when I say usually, I mean now over the course of their 12 albums plus. Crazy. Uh, they don't usually have very like vibey songs. Very that just kind atmospheric, of atmospheric, nice feel. Of yeah, this. it just yeah. kind of it it floats for eight minutes. And you know what's a similar song is undone. Mm. Like it doesn't go through too many major changes rhythmically. The and whatnot. songs get to breathe a little bit, and the yes. band can rock out and just sort of groove on that nice groove. Yes, this song feels like a closer. Yeah. I mean, whether it's a little cliche to have the sort of Pixies like softer, slower verses, and then just that. Heavy Heavy, chunky, crunchy. Yeah, and like the second half of the song is just like a huge solo band just of, rocking of out. noise and music. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so Matt Sharp, lovely, lovely man. <laughs> Love Matt. The bass player on the first two albums uh, of Weezer, he comes in with this... Perfect bass line that's not, it's not anything like crazy novel, but it's so good. It's such a nice way. It does. And what I also love is as soon as the acoustic comes in, the whole bass line takes on a new life because the bass line is its own melody. You think that it's, it's actually outlining the chords, but the guitar actually starts to outline the chords. I love that. And then all, and then Pat comes in slowly, you know, with the ride cymbal and then the snare comes in and they slowly layer everything. It's so nice. It vibes out so well. It builds so well. The whole well. song is just an amazing bit. I mean, it actually has like a couple different climax right, moments. ebbs and flows. Um, River's melody is so nice and ever-changing. The, you can't resist her, she's in your bones, in between molecules of oxygen and carbon dioxide. It's just like <laughs> all over, and it's so nice. He's singing so hushed. What's interesting is that this song is on my top five, and yet it has one of my least favorite moments on the album. Whoa. Because in the chorus, he sings, it's all been erased at the end of it, and it hits this note that just does not I know work. the note you're, you're thinking Yeah, of. it's like, it doesn't really, bother me. It rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> but even with that, I just think it's a great, it's a great song. Um, 
contrast. I've talked about contrast so much on past podcasts. Not that every song needs to have contrast, but it just, it makes a song so interesting. And I think it really, if you do it well, can show how musical a band can be. So many of the songs on this album, so many of the songs, again, in their entire discography, but this album, I, I cued into it so much. The contrast between whether it's vibey or picked or whatever. It's it's showing the range of the band and the members. I mean, Pat is allowed to really shine and let loose at the end. He's a little more reserved on this album than other albums. So to have this epic climax of a song where he's just pounding away and really cool fills, it's great. But even the contrast just between the verses and the choruses and them like chuggy, a lot of this album is more orchestrated quote-unquote verses and then the chorus is very more yes simple and just their classic weezer very low chuggy kind of guitars yeah that classic weezer crunch i don't know what else to call it the first climax of the song is everything to me You know what this song feels like to me? That it was born out of a jam session. Like, it really feels that way. I totally agree. They are just, even though it's funny, because it's Rivers playing both guitar parts, but it sounds like four guys just in their garage, so to speak, just playing music. And that makes me so happy, especially with some albums that come out later well, in discography. Well, that'll be a whole other conversation. It will, but... This but album is so earnest and feels like just this beautiful album this beautiful expression it's so pure that this is their debut yeah it's it's amazing they are just rocking the fuck out it makes me so happy it just brings me back not that i haven't done this recently but it just brings me back to just being in a studio with a band and just having fun they're just having fun it's palpable it's palpable yes that's a good way of saying it and what's another little fun thing is throughout the entire song in the bass line you never hear the tonic note you never hear that right, one chord that. which is i think just it's brilliant brilliant it's just songwriting. Good songwriting yeah yeah i love it okay speaking of rocking out in the garage let's now go to my number five in the garage electric guitar i play my stupid songs i write these stupid words and i love everyone so this song starts out with that amazing sound, that 90s acoustic guitar and harmonica intro, and then you just get that classic Weezer crunch that comes in later. I mean, this to me is just such a perfect little bite-sized package of what Weezer is all about. Mm. Like, this this song also means a lot to me on a on a lyrical level like what they're talking about it's just the most relatable song it's very much about loving your own nerddom yes. and and not being afraid of what that means he's talking about being dungeon master you know uh D- dungeons and dragons having kiss posters on marvel the wall. characters yeah marvel characters kitty pride yeah it's awesome my favorite one of my favorite lyrics of weezer is I got an electric guitar. I play my stupid songs. I write these stupid words, and I love everyone. Mm-hmm. That 
means so much yeah. to me. You know, it's so simple, but it's so heartfelt. Yeah, I, I love it. And musically, just that the guitar getting so huge in the chorus after sort of a softer uh, verse. That, right, it's that just that dynamic. Again. Exactly, yes. exactly. I love. This is the first song we're talking about that showcases harmonica. I mm. love that early Weezer has harmonica in it. Yeah. That also just feels like a very 90s thing in That's general. That's what I was saying, yeah. But yeah, that intro with the harmonica and the chords on acoustic guitar is so nice. I've got contrast. The contrast between that nice orchestrated whatever, and then the grumbly guitars is so good. Best part of the song is the, I do, we don't, we don't, I do, we don't, we There's also a really fun thing, fun for music nerds, but like <laughs> in the verses, the chord that he goes to on like, I got electric guitar, that one, because the way he's playing it, you can't tell if it's major or minor. Mm. So it, automatically at least for me sounds major i feel like if you don't have that minor third it sounds like a major chord but then as soon as they go to the i do it's the same chord but it's outlined minor so you get the major to minor contrast i don't know it, it makes it feel that much better as soon as that comes that's awesome in. you're looking at me like a nerd but it's perfect it's perfect because <laughs> it that's perfect. what this song Music nerds is. unite the guitar solo here oh, is yeah. so squelchy, squeaky, and then it just like erupts into this metal outburst. I mean, he's talking about Kiss. Kiss is such a huge influence oh, yeah. on Rivers. Oh, yeah. And I love when the metal shines through, really. It's just, uh, there's so many killer harmonies that come in at the end. Uh, this, yes. this song is I just, it makes me so happy. It just, I relate to it so much. Yeah, it just feels like home. All right, next we're going to go to Adam's number four pick, the third single, Say It Ain't So. So again, I was saying that it was really interesting to me that I put this on my list and so you high put up. All three singles on your list. I did notice that, but I also have which this is thing. fine. This, I don't know if it's like, maybe it's just Counting Crows and Weezer, but we just did Counting Crows recently, and I was noticing that even for Counting Crows in the '90s, a lot of their singles, most of their singles, I also put on my top five list. So I don't know what that means about people determining songs. Uh, to go on the radio or to be singles and that they actually are more quality than right, I feel like right, right. nowadays. Maybe this, sort of, is, this is a gross uh, overstatement, but I feel like nowadays a mediocrity lot of, and like... Yeah, the singles, yeah, yeah you want to... Uh, maybe it just has to do again, again with what the masses are more into and nowadays the singles are a little more simplified. Mm, that's a good point. And maybe in the 90s, that kind of music was actually appreciated. But anyway, so... I feel like I don't usually fall into that category of, oh my God, this song is so ubiquitous, so I don't like it. Yeah. But there was something about this song where I think it's really just the chorus. It's so simple, seemingly. And I was just like, I'm not really that into this. But listening to the song as a whole and also the lyrics, the lyrics yeah. something's happening with me and I'm so happy about it that lyrics nowadays, Ooh, very recently- are starting to really shape 
how I view a song, which I feel like it was always just a fun. <laughs> this is going to be a fun series on Weezer. Well, then I guess if the lyrics are shit, I can still appreciate the song. But if the lyrics are really good, it will it, it will it. elevate absolutely, that song. Absolutely, we there's, talked about. There's that another before. song from this era that we'll talk about later in the podcast. That the same thing. It completely elevated the song for me, and it gives me chills. But the lyrics of this song, it's all about. Rivers, when he's a kid, he's remembering the time when, so his, his father, uh, his biological father left his family when he was very young. Uh, and he was an alcoholic, I believe. Right. Um, I think drinking just sort of tore apart his family. And so I guess when he's a little bit older, but still a young guy, uh, Rivers is now remembering looking in, in his uh, fridge and he sees a beer uh, of his stepfather's and he worries that it's that means again. that his family is going to be torn apart again and just the lyrics in this song are so good it's 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 heartbreaking and it's emotional and it's honest and I, I i totally agree with you this is such a simple song absolutely classic maybe in a bad way quote-unquote chord progression it's just very simple but well, it's interesting I, you say that. I really feel like it's mainly the chorus. Oh, really? That is so simple. Yeah, because he comes in with this riff that has this kind of note that's a little off, but it gives it so much character, the... Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And the orchestration in these verses is so different than anything else on this album. There's this almost ska, like, right, upstroke. Right, absolutely. And I his can't guitar tell you, is so, like, almost jazzy sounding. I cannot tell you how many times I've played this song on guitar. Really? You know what I forgot to tell you? What's that? Did you know that in college I formed a band just to play through the Blue Album to no. put on Blue Album shows? That's amazing. This is with Aaron and Nick. Uh, oh my god! And Tom, we we learned like all these songs. We never actually played a show. Ah, uh, but but yeah. So I knew how to play all these songs at one point. Yeah. So again, lyrically, I'm just gonna jump straight to the the bridge. Which in general, I just I need you to hear part of this bridge. Dear Daddy, I write you in spite of years of silence. You've cleaned up, found Jesus. Things are good, so I hear. This bottle of Stevens awakens ancient feelings like father, stepfather. The sun is drowning in the flood. That's like so well written. And I love all, I guess Stephen is the name of his stepfather. And his uh, biological father, I guess, became something religious, actually, Mm -hmm. after he left. Uh and it's and again the vocal build in that bridge as well just how he comes into your son is drowning in the flood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and this guitar solo is i think oh my God. to me to me i actually think this is the best except maybe the shredding at the end of only in dreams i love this guitar solo the, the that dueling it's so good so and then good. right into that final chorus is so heavy. It's a mammoth chorus. It really is. Just a... Yes. Also lyrically, somebody's hiney is crowding my icebox. Somebody's cold one is giving me chills. I love that wordplay. Mm-hmm. Someone's cold one is giving me chills. Something is bubbling behind my back. The bottle is ready to blow. I love that type of lyricism. And it's so honest to me. Not that this is the most honest song on this record, but it's just the most... 
like tragic and he's speaking from such a young kid's perspective mm-hmm. of what's going on in my life. I love that. Again, musically, I'm talking about contrast. The contrast of the verse to the chorus, it makes me appreciate that chorus so much more. Yeah, crazy good song. Okay, next let's talk about our collective number three pick, the second song on the album, No One Else. So I mentioned to you that uh, I had this band in college. We were played through the Blue Album. We never actually played those concerts. However, this is the one song that I took and I used in a different band. We would play this live all the time. No one else. I loved it. It So much fun to play. So fast. Great rhythm guitar uh, line. This is such a fucking chunky, swinging, amazing, uh, I don't know, opening chord progression. I just absolutely love it. I love that walk down. It's like a mix of punk rock and surf rock. Very much surf rock. These verses, including that walk down, are so Beach Boys. There's so much Beach Boys influence on this record, I've noticed. And also just that melody. My girl's got a big mouth. That kind of thing. That is so like Mike... Love. Yes. So the Beach Boys are like a common through line through this entire band, clearly indebted to those 60s melodies, rhythms, harmonies, especially. Oh, man. I love the harmony on, she looks around and around, you know, it makes me sad to see you like that. Yes. Oh, man. That just kills me. The line, my girl's got a big mouth with which she blabbers a lot. That's (laughs) such a good first line of a song. And I also love that this song is all about just this irrational jealousy. There's a vibe to it that I just, it's great. My girl's got eyeballs in the back of her head. Yeah. It's just such a fun uh, lyric. For sure. And another great contrast between, but now this is more just like the chorus is so simple but i really love that and the verses have much more variance in the actual chord structures and how the melody goes over like it repeats certain melodic things over different chords and that's always i mean i talk about picked parts that go over different chords i love how melodies can totally be shaped just by the chords underneath them. That's a great point. It sounds, it sounds so like simple, no, I guess, but, but it's... Th- that's a common through line through so many Weezer songs, I've noticed, too. Yeah. Even the most ones that you think are simple, there's like interesting chord changes happening underneath that I so resonate with. Yes. This song just keeps giving, I love this bridge. And if you see her, tell her it's... Ba-ba, ba-ba, and, and then, then you got that... Great guitar solo. Yeah, such a perfect harmonized, harmonized melody, basically. Uh, and the I love that. The ending chorus with the harmony is yes. so nice. And I love that. So it's a hey, 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 hey. And the ha, 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 how. So much energy. Like we said, a lot of these songs do kind of have a more sluggish, not in a bad way, but like kind of crunchy, chugging in the garage, only in dreams, undone. Yeah. This one is just peppy, peppy, peppy. And I just absolutely love it. Yes. Next, let's talk about Adam's number two pick, the first single, debut single from Weezer, Undone, the sweater song. If you want to destroy my sweater 
really cannot believe this wasn't on your list. This is, I'll already say it, this is one of Weezer's best songs. And this to me sounds like, I mean, you've heard it from diehard Weezer fans, and I would call us diehard Weezer fans. So even though we can appreciate everything that came after Pinkerton, Pinkerton is an amazing album. This to me sounds like it could be off Pinkerton. Wow, I do not hear that. Oh yeah, at all. Hundred percent. This is way slower and sludgier than anything on Pinkerton. There's something about Disagree. the rawness of it. Definitely raw. I, let me just say this: you mentioned just a little earlier that you know, despite ubiquity, you can sometimes see past it, and you find that you really. Unfortunately to me, when I'm listing my top five songs, I'm literally thinking about, I'm not thinking about what are the best songs, I'm not thinking what are the most technically interesting, I'm thinking about the ones I want to reach for right now. My absolute favorites that I will never skip, I will go to. And unfortunately, Undone was one of, if not the first Weezer song I ever heard, became obsessed with. I told you it's wrapped up in that This will be interesting for the future albums, honestly. Yeah, but, but Undone is a song that I just don't, reach for anymore i still will never this skip is it. one of the main songs i that's, will reach for on awesome. this album I, I love that but to me i just it's not exciting to me anymore because i know it so well i know it so well this okay. was like my my entrance point into weezer so unfortunately now in 2019 it's not one of my top that, that fair that, enough that said this is a fucking great song it's, great it's, single it's one of their best songs starting just like this is one of my favorite things if i just sit down at a drum set I will go, yeah, it's just like iconic drum fill to start the Pat whole thing That actually off. has a lot of iconic drum yeah. riffs and intros to me. There's so many. No, he's great. Yeah. I love, Pat is an amazing drummer. And it's crazy how he shows it on some albums and just completely and just holds back on Which others. is totally fine. Like I, I respect green. that a lot. <laughs> Not just green. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I could listen to this riff cycle for days just that dreary guitar, that cyclical chord structure, is it's everything to me. I love that so much. And again, I was talking about Only in Dreams being very vibey. The vibe Only in, in Dreams song. feels like a sequel to this song. I mean, yeah. they're the two slowest, sludgiest, but also well, It's that interesting Pixies. that those two were on my list for yeah. some reason. I don't know why that, that really Digging hits that me. Weezer sludge. Yes, I love that the verses, his... Oh, me, maybe that mimics the riff. We did kind of overlook a little bit. Maybe it's not that important, but I kind of love the intro talkiness. Oh, 100%. to me, it sets the scene. You yes. literally feel like you're at a party and don't belong, and or that's like something also is awkward so about it. Weezer, because that happens in a lot of their albums too. I love they they don't take themselves too seriously. There's to talking, a fault sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely, but but. <laughs> They strike a balance sometimes, which yeah. is perfect. I love that. Just and it goes on forever. I love that 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 riff just goes on forever. There's all this talking. There's this goofy whatever party sounds. This is such a party song, but not to me in a lame way. No. And also, I guess when I say sounds like Pinkerton, it's because the chorus vocals are so chanty gang vocals which is all over pinkerton right it's just such a it's such an anthem everybody together yes wailing i love that i also love the lyrics in the first verse i me i'm me me be goddamn i am i can sing and hear me know me i don't know what it is about that that just gets me it's so just like 
Uh, fill in the adjectives. I don't know. <laughs> so before that college band I was talking about, I actually had a band in high school named Ophelia that Andy was in, the yes. drummer. And we played Undone as one of our songs. But did you know that we, maybe this is blasphemous for many, Uh-oh. what we did is we took Undone and we mashed it up with Beverly Hills because it's the same exact chords. I noticed that. Yeah. I did notice that. So, and yet this works so, we, we so much better So we played through all of me. Undone and then would go into... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, which is such a crazy contrast. Those two songs, in terms of like earnestness, cannot be further apart. So yes. it's just yeah. what's really interesting is that this song is so high up on my list, but the melodies are nothing like crazy. There's actually songwriting wise, in terms to of you, variance, this is way about more about feel. It's feel, it's vibe, it's rawness in emotion. And yeah, again, it really feels like a Pinkerton Adam's song clutching to me. His heart right now, I which am is clutching perfect. my heart. Um, I love the lying on the floor, lying on the floor, I've come undone. Yes. And at the end, they just are jamming out. And that, yes. And the build is so good. And I love when the falsetto goes. girl talking is michael oh, yes of michael and carly and we're going to talk more about michael and carly these two it's, sisters it's, who are yeah. who were fans from the get-go of weezer and became founded, friends with founded them. the fan club yeah and weezer was so good early on and maybe even still but they were so nice about these people who were so supportive of them they actually brought them on as part of their team so cool carl Coach Cock, I actually yeah. don't know how to pronounce his Me name. Either. He's become like the Weezer historian. He actually plays like drums on one Weezer song. <laughs> um, but anyway, Michael and Carly, these two fans and friends of the band, in 1997, I believe they passed away in a car crash with their sister, which is horrific. And what's so sad and scary and, and chill inducing is that hearing her voice and hearing her say, Can I get a ride? I literally she just got died, chills. She died in a car think, crash. It's so similar that. to me to, I believe the lyric at the beginning of Come Come Together is shoot me. And that's Lennon singing. I have shoot me. never known that. I'm pretty sure wow. that that is what it is. I thought it was just shoot I know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I definitely have read that before. That's wild. So that kind of stuff is always creepy. But anyway, Undone, the sweater song, it's... It's everything we, to me. We can't not talk about... This was their first single and was kind of a hit. I mean, only number 57 That's on the chart. such an interesting song to be... The first single, right? Yeah. It's so slow. You'd think Buddy Holly would be the first single. Yes. But anyway, Spike Jones, who's now very, very well known as a, a movie director, who's also a big music video director, had this crazy, good, unique single take video that became a hit on MTV and that really helped the band. Yeah. It's just like a one take. It was really interesting to hear, we watched the video a couple weeks ago. What they did was they played this, like the song that was playing over the loudspeakers when they were uh, fake performing for the video was played at like double time and then they slowed down the video I didn't so even think it, about that so when that I watched it. Fits it. Yeah. with the music but it looks slowed down it's such a cool video yeah. I, i'm so impressed with it and it just it fits the aesthetic of this whole song uh, great song oh yeah okay next we're gonna hit my number two pick I cannot believe this was not on your list to me this is such an adam song this is the penultimate track this is holiday
curious. I do love this song because, and again, I, I any of these songs could have replaced three, four, and five on my list. But I'm curious why you say this, this is such an Adam melody. Oh, I don't know. I yes, think it's you the, are right. It's you are <laughs> right about that. What you said about the melody. The melody is so infectious. That six eight swing. By yeah. the way, they are obsessed with this three four six eight drummer rhythm. And because it I works am too. It works, it works with the their doo wop Beach Boys, Boys totally. sound. And this do 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 a strange and distant land. That is such a sticky, no word of sticky, truth. great melody. It goes all over the place. It's it's so good. I just love it. And the the B section or post chorus the hard B three part harmony it's such interesting chords that they hit for that so when good it, when it switches back into the verses yeah. that is just everything to me it's so like you said it's that doo wop and then they actually break down into a doo wop oh kind God. of bridge where everything slows we down we'll write a post card to your friends What's so interesting is, I don't know if you ever picked up on what Rivers is singing in that sort of jazzy down part. I don't think I have. He says, on the road with Kerouac, like Jack Kerouac, Jack Kerouac yeah. sheltered in his bivouac. Bivouac, I guess, is some sort of tent. That's just such a good, <laughs> good Kerouac lyric. and bivouac. Like, I don't know. There's something about that that's like... We've got a Harvard boy on our hands. Yeah, there we Not go. Yet. I also love the guitar in organ. There's an organ on that. That riff that you just did, that opening is so good. Yes. It's so quick and fast, but oh, it just gets me. Also, in the chorus, that holiday, when he hits that day, the major seventh on the guitar in that chord, it's such a nice change. There's so many cool chords underneath. This is just, you're right. I, it's so kind of quick and fast and fun, and I, I do not want to say the word frivolous, but to me, I look forward to this song. So It's like the ninth song, and I'm like so excited when it comes on. Yeah. It's so different than Only in Dreams, which come right after. Yes. But to me, this just embodies that one-two punch of Holiday and Only in Dreams are like two very different sides of Weezer that fit so well together. That's well I, said. I think this is a great song. All right, next we're going to do my number one pick on the Blue Album, the opening track. I do not understand how this is not on your list at all. This is My Name is Jonas. opening one of the first ever non-chord things i've ever learned on guitar as a kid and guess what what this was the writing credit oh jason, jason cropper, cropper. That's he right. wrote, he wrote this, this part his before leaving i'm so happy he left us with this because it is talk about contrast the first thing you hear is this beautiful 90s acoustic guitar riff and then doesn't that riff sound like minority by green day i'm sure they ripped it off no question <laughs> uh, green day is a huge uh, influ- I think they both influence each other, yeah, totally. Green Day's referenced in a later Weezer song. Yes. They both kind of started out on the same time, Green Day a little earlier. Yep. But 
oh my god though that boom 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 chug 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 that that basically goes into that classic Weezer waltz, I'll call it. Yeah. It's just so iconic to me. And again, you have to remember, this is the first Weezer album I ever heard. And so after hearing Island in the Sun, whatever I heard undone, and then I put this on, and to hear some music that hit me so hard with those punchy, punchy, Mm -hmm. punchy rhythms, it just, it honestly, I probably overuse this, but it changed my life. In terms of what I look for in music and what music, how music makes me feel, this song is very important. It just is so classic Weezer with that fuzzy, crunchy sound. Yes. That drum swing, the deep, chunky exactly. bass the guitar. The swing, the contrast between picked and then chuggy, it is so Weezer. And this also makes great use of guitar feedback and yeah. guitar, like the swelling, where it doesn't just feel yes. stagnant. I love when that note hits the and then the second time around. So it's it's the perfect bar song. I hope you don't hear that as a, no, I, I a dig at it. It really just is. It's one of those kind of the workers are go. It's very chanty. It's and I love I love when it goes into that yeah duck 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 you gotta hear this. So punky. They don't usually get like that. A couple times later really, in the discography. Yes, just but... a couple, but it's really cool. Harmonica is back. Oof. Well, I say back, but this is the first song you hear. So I love that there's a harmonica solo over that punky thing. Like, that's so cool. This song is apparently about his brother leaves getting in a car accident. To be honest, I don't really see the connection lyrically all the time. I think it has to do with, like... The insurance, he was having problems with his right. insurance. And to me, lyrically, it's about, it's one of those, it's actually interesting. Let's con, uh, not contrast this, compare this to Round Here by Counting Crows, Crows, where that one is, I feel like, you know, you're, you're an adult now, but nothing is as good as like they made it out to be, you're, you know, life kind of sucks That's as an adult point. and whatever. And but this, we're still making noise. Yes, making exactly. Noise. That lyric. So the lyric is, my name is Weepeel, which by the way, I guess <laughs> supposedly Rivers named his sled as a child Weepeel. I love that. My name is Weepeel. I got a box full of your toys. They're fresh out of batteries, but they're still making noise. So I think that actually encompasses the entire theme of this song of... We're older now. We got to deal with shit like so this. I, I even think I just miss saying it now. I always sing it as we're still making noise. Like to me, it does feel like this uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, I like you said thing. it as like a bar anthem, but to me it is this like coming together, chanting, big opening statement for the band. Yeah. As to why this wasn't on my list, I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's ubiquity because... This is not a single. I mean, it is like a fan favorite exactly. for sure. So I definitely knew this probably early on actually, maybe through you, but I don't know. I really don't know why. Again, I said it before and I'll say it again. Extremely consistently great album. This one never just fought, never, never fought, fought for the top, fought for the top. <laughs> Fair enough. Another, like we talked about, great climax of outro and guitar p- drum pounding. It's amazing. One thing we have not spoken about yet, which I do want to talk about, Rivers is also a great vocalist. Oh and my you God. you don't always hear it, but 
on this song, he has this beautiful little vibrato at the end. Like, if you really just pay attention, which is hard to do sometimes because there's so much great stuff going on. But if you just hear his vocal, not just his melodies, but the way he's singing and emoting and able to control his voice, it is very impressive. I'm glad you brought it up. Not that we're not going to talk about it later in this series, but he has such a beautiful voice. Yeah. And varied voice he can really scream with it he can he'll embody a hip-hop verse (laughs) occasionally but like his also his soft voice is so beautiful butterfly oh man i mean we'll we'll obviously talk about it from song to song but he is an amazing vocalist I, i love his voice and finally, to round out our top fives, we're going to talk about the second single, my number four pick, Adam's number one song on the Blue Album, Buddy Holly. It's funny, Rivers wasn't even going to include I this know. song. I know, and, and Rick, Rick was, was like, like you, you have to put this about? on. So I'm curious why he didn't want to put it on, because what I found out is that this song is about his bandmates making fun of a friend of his, I guess some Asian friend of his, which is interesting. And I mean, I think the whole band what? was, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why it's like, you know, the lyric, your eyes are slit. Oh your tongue God. is twisted, your eyes are slit, you need so a guardian. It is. I think the band, I mean, everyone's, everyone's a person. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. I think the band was actually like, you got to put this song on the album, even you know, even if it's about us and whatever, that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's because Rivers was embarrassed to showcase that theme, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. But this song is so well-crafted. It's a perfect pop song. Not even pop, put pop out. It's just a perfect song. When I say pop, I just mean because the melodies are so effortlessly hooky and they are so good at that. And this one, every every note is just a gem. I love that it just, they come in at the top. What's with these Oh, immediately, right out of the gate, great verse melody. The verses are so minor, which also for a single I feel like is not, you, maybe I'm wrong about that. I just feel like consciously, I, never thought I feel about like that. singles aren't. And granted, but it, the chorus is but so back major. To that contrast, yes. exactly. They they erupt into such a major peppy chorus that it makes it all worth it again for the the listener. I guess absolutely. This is the first time, and maybe the only time on this record, you hear a synth. This which is, is the indicative. only time you hear the Cars influence that, on oh, this yeah, album. I, it didn't even put two and two yeah. together, but absolutely. But also interesting because they use synth ton actually, on Pinkerton. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's interesting. We'll talk about not Pinkerton. as much. Not as much as it's a lot they on the B sides too. Yes, exactly. exactly. Songs in the black hole. But this pre-chorus is my favorite part of this song. The ooh ooh, and you know I'm yours, and you know you're mine. The woohoo's are just such a great encapsulation of that '50s '60s Beach Boys yes. doo wop. Over this peppy, punky kind of still. Matt Sharp, the bass player, song. is the main falsetto yeah, background guy on these records. Brian Bell's definitely there, but I don't, I don't know if it's, that's not his falsetto. <laughs> He's got those other sort of weird sounding backgrounds. Talking about vocal performance, when Rivers goes, You need a guardian. Yes, love it. All these nice little Such noodles. range. But also back to that pre chorus, the chords of the pre chorus are so good and they fit so well. Sometimes I can't explain why it is. Just whatever chords he went to for the pre chorus, it's like a perfect pre chorus. And then that's for all time. 
And then, of course, the chorus, which who doesn't know this chorus? So Another popular. great, windy, ooh-wee-oo, ooh, I look just like Buddy Holly. Yeah, uh, you're right. It goes everywhere on the scale. I don't know what they say about us anyway. Like even that kind of anyway, it's like just <laughs> random kind of talky. I just it's so unique to me. You had just mentioned in My Name is Jonas, they don't often go to that punk. But here's another one that bang, bang, put on the dome. Squeak, squeak. Yes. It's not even necessarily punk, but it's just very fast also and cool propulsive. We, uh, Weezer gets into on a lot. I mean, Rivers talk sings, raps a lot on yeah. their albums. This to me is like the first time that kind of I happens. never even thought about that because, yeah, it's, I don't think about hip hop yeah. until Beverly Hills and Red. This is such, also for, yeah, for a song that feels so still in that kind of Beach Boys 60s, maybe 50s range, this bridge is so like, no, we're still like a 90s band, which is so, I love the bridge and I love when it goes, what's the matter, babe? Are you feeling blue? Uh-huh. And that guitar solo, the breakdown, just listen, listen. to this. And that iconic Oh, and it only Most happens iconic, once. Yes, which is I great. Most iconic Weezer thing ever. It's got to be. And then one final perfect chorus, and then hand claps. I'm Josh's a sucker favorite. for hand claps. <laughs> Almost always, uh, a hand clap will just kill me. And I love that ending of... Yeah, they didn't need that. No, they but did it, it capped it off so well. So what's interesting is that this is a very ubiquitous song. I still do go back to it. I still am curious if maybe I should flip Undone with this song, but as a song, I am putting this at number one because I find it to be so well crafted. This could have been higher for me. It, it could have been. been, but I'm glad it was on your list. Yeah, definitely. All right, now that we wrapped up our top five picks for the Blue Album, let's go just quickly through the other songs in this album we didn't talk about already. So we did My Name is Jonas, the opener, then No One Else. The third song, The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. This one for sure could have been on my list. I really don't know why it wasn't, but there's something where even though I think it's a great song, there's nothing elevating about it. Totally know what you mean. Yeah. It is a great, solid song, but there are enough moments to be like, oh yeah, this one. But I love the change up in the verse. Oh man. Best part, yes. I love that. I just made love with your sweet memory. That part with the pickings and it goes minor there, that is the best part of the song. And then such a Weezer. You remain turned away. Yeah. Also, I I read. Yeah, go ahead. It sounds like, I guess you just said, they and Green Day are feeding off each other. This to me reminds me of When I Come Around. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Also, I love that acoustic picked part over oh yeah it's it's so good great mix of acoustic and distortion just lyrically quickly i read that the world has turned and left me here is kind of a lyrical sequel to no one else yes about how no one else is like you had said this irrational jealous obsession of, and then of course know, that relationship ends and he's like what happened no one, where she's wait, gone wait, wait, exactly she go? exactly it's never been one of my absolute favorites but 
you know, it's kind of that matter of fact four chord kind of thing. But what I still, do really I don't skip it. No, I do really like the solo. Also because the solo goes over new chords. It's almost as if it's a bridge because the chords are different than anything you've heard in any other part of the song. But there's no vocal melody. It's just the guitar solo, which is pretty subtle as well. It's really nice. Anyway. I also I also love the Do you believe what I'm saying now? And then See, Pat's even singing, I'm like, oh damn, I love this. Song. It's because it's yeah. a great song. And then Pat's crashing and over oh, yeah. this crash. Crashing, the picked part comes in. It's like you never hear those two together, but it sounds great. So good. All right. Then we already talked about the singles Buddy Holly and Undone. Now we're going to go to Surf Wax America. Such a good riff. Such I a classic that. descending guitar it's riff. It's got like slight phaser on it too. It sounds so good. This song, interestingly enough, to me feels the least produced. Something about his vocals are almost lower in the mix than other songs on this album. I'm glad you brought that up. Sort of a little separate from that, um, we've talked about with other bands how sometimes we feel like the vocals are too high in the mix. Weezer, especially on the early albums, to me, do such a good job of building River's voice into the mix. Like it's, yeah. it sounds like another one of the instruments. I know that's not exactly. No, 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 what no. You're no. About I, to I say, like but that. I appreciate that. Yeah, this song is cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's so interesting. Fun. So fun. It's so. Garage, take your card away. Yeah. Uh, I love the all along the undertow, yes. strengthening so many good melodies. He's such a good melody writer. How many melodies has this guy written? I know. Since we're only on the first album. <laughs> it's also so cool. The like they have the bridge, what you just sang, the all along the undertow, and then they have this like slowed down, oh, very they do like kind down, of around, but it's around with both the chorus falsetto with Matt does that, and then River comes in hushed with the bridge vocals over that. It's just like again, great songwriting, unique songwriting. Yeah, what what a song, what an album, what an album. What yeah. an album. We we basically just talked about all every song, ten songs, ten perfect length. A lot of people consider this the perfect uh, Weezer album, one of the best albums of the 90s. I, I have to agree. It's, it is. It's so, so good. So good. If you don't already know this, you need to listen to this album. You need to pick this up. It is iconic. If you are a fan of music, this is an important album to know about. Also, Buddy Holly, Undone, Say It Ain't So feel so different. And those were all three, three singles. singles. You're right. That's a good point. It really just and shows and the as, breadth of And as we have been talking abilities. about, there's just a treasure trove of other great songs and melodies and hooks and... Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Blue Album Baby. Blue Album Baby. Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part one in our in-depth discussion, dissection, debate, and analysis of Weezer's entire discography. Now that we've discussed the band's early history and their classic 1994 debut, The Blue Album, tune in next week where we explore their legendary sophomore album, the self-produced abrasive follow-up, Pinkerton. But before that, we want to know your thoughts, your opinions, and your personal top fives for Weezer. What are your top five favorite songs on The Blue Album and why? Are you one of the fans who thinks it's by far their best album? What memories do you have with this record? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Top 5 Disco for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, rating and reviewing Top 5 Disco on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen is always appreciated. And don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco.